Welcome, welcome, welcome. <laughs> <laughs> Name that podcast. <laughs> uh, that's one way to to say hello and to the Good Parent Podcast community. Um, just uh, you know, mimicking one of my favorite podcast hosts. So there it is. So if you know it, leave it in the comments. Yep, Jordan and Brenna here. Um, we are really excited to bring another episode to you. Um, this is the episode where we interview Brittany. Brittany. Our our third co-host. She's amazing. Um, yeah, she is amazing. And one thing that we've learned through this experience so far uh, is that sometimes technical difficulties happen. So, Brenna? <laughs> Are there some technical difficulties in this episode? There's a few. Uh, Yeah, and technical difficulties is a generous way to say it. It's more user error at this point. (laughs) But we're figuring it out. And hopefully, as you listen to it, you still smile and feel all the feelings that uh, you should feel listening to Brittany's story because it is an incredible one. And we want you to hear it. And we're sorry that maybe your ears aren't hearing it as well as sound quality can be, but we still want you to listen. Yeah. And so I think one note on the, the technical side, since a, a, be, a portion of the beginning is a little bit jumbled. So we actually kind of cut out, a, you know, a good portion of, of the beginning. So it's kind of going to just jump right into it. Um, so you're going to be kind of dropped right into Brittany's story. Um, which is is okay because it's a great story to be dropped into. Yeah, so, it's just going to feel like you're um, on a ride. Yep, on a ride that you started on when the car was already moving. Because <laughs> it's going down. You were sitting, and then all, this, all of a sudden, the car is moving downhill very fast. <laughs> so buckle up. Yeah, or tell us, hey, that's not what that felt like at all. It's actually a nice little smooth transition. <laughs> that would be cool, too. Yeah, we would appreciate that. Yep. <laughs> all right. All right. That's all we got. Enjoy Enjoy it. the episode. All right. Bye. I feel like Jackson could probably take care of himself. Oh, that tank. It's a large one. Uh, he he would find them. the food. It's he Hazel. Hazel. She'd, she'd make stuff happen. They, they're adventure twins. That's oh what I'm calling them now. They have been blowing my mind. The adventure twins. That sounds like their future podcast. Yeah. Their future podcast is I will not make them an Instagram page. Yeah, or like beautifully <laughs> watercolored storybooks. Oh my gosh, Ooh. that's such a great idea. Yeah, it sounds super cute. Trademark. <laughs> Trademark it right now, Brenna. <laughs> Gotta check and make sure it's not already. <laughs> All right, well, glad to have you, you there. Jordan? I tried my car. I was saying this earlier. I tried my car. It's raining outside, so that it just wasn't going to work. But Brenna, I do want to take you up on that at, at, at least at one point and give that a try. But for now... I'm back in my spare room. And one thing I'm grateful for right now, I'm grateful. The reason I moved into a new place two months ago now, and 
and I think this was long before we moved into a place, but just kind of in general felt like we're gone so much and don't ever actually get to enjoy where we live. Mm. Um, I mean, our, our physical house, I mean. So we were both were sitting on the couch a couple of nights ago and just like we're grateful for our home. I mean, there's so many layers. One, grateful to have a home. Like that's an obvious one. But like literally we both were like, I like this place. It makes me feel less anxious it makes me feel less stressed i know that that is a thing to be grateful for right now is is having not only having a home but having a home that makes that makes me feel good and welcomed in it and we also have a yard which has been so incredible during this covid 19 shelter in place because we have an outside patio and, and a place for our dog and we can go out there and we can sit in the sun when it's not raining and so just having that outside space that's still at home has been that has been awesome to have that that's what i'm grateful for right now that's lovely yep. Yeah, I just want to start off, you know, gratitude is just one, it's a podcast I've been listening to is reminding me to start the day with gratitude. So I just want to start this podcast podcast with a little bit of gratitude as well. Breath of fresh air. Yeah, Perfect. I love it. But Brittany, this is the Brittany episode. This one's all about you and your story, some of your upbringing, some of your parenting story. Um, so why don't we actually just start with that? Why don't you start a little bit with your upbringing? Like, what's your parent family background? Um, you know, bring us into that story. So that's um, kind of a salad toss. For me, at a young age, my parents were divorced. So I never remember my parents being together. Podcast listeners, this is about to get real. So mm-hmm. y'all about to know all about. So I'm Brittany Rodriguez, a.k.a. Brittany Mundy with my name. So I grew up in a divorced home. For as long as I can remember, my parents were not together. That kind of shifted a lot um, between splitting between weekends with my dad, weekends with my mom, and just trying to navigate that form of life and uh, the different dynamics that both of my parents had. My mom was very, live your life, do what you want, because we lived in Riverside, which was endless um, acres of land, and we had cousins that lived on our same property, and we just... I feel like all I'd remember is playing all day. So did you live like on, on a decent amount of land? So, yeah. So my aunt, my aunt Sylvia, she owned um, a decent, I don't have no idea how many acres it was. And there was three houses on that property. And so my aunt lived in one, my other um, aunt Jackie lived in one. And then my mom, we lived in another house on that land. So that's a dream. Yeah. It was so cool. Just so different. Um, and so, um, a little bit of my story too also involves just my mom. Um, she was not the healthiest parent as mm. a child. Um, she was addicted to drugs. There was a lot of even dynamic shift in the home with that. Anyone who either experienced being a parent of addiction or a child under a parent of addiction, it's just a very traumatic and just different thing. Then my dad is just, he was a hard worker. He did everything he possibly could. My dad had six kids. So my mom and my dad had six kids together. And so we had a huge family that he was trying to support. It was just very different. And my dad was remarried twice. And now in about sixth grade, we ended up with my very beautiful stepmother, Rose Mundy. She has been the champion in our family from now on. So grew up in divorce, now lives in a blended family. It's kind of a 
very zoomed out snapshot of that. Wow. Where do you fall in the six kids? I am the second youngest. Okay. So mom yes. and dad were married for at least a decent amount of time to yes. produce amount of time. six mm-hmm. children. That's... Pretty close together almost. But... Oh, are you all back to back? Like, not all back to back. So my sister and I are back to back. And then everyone else has about like a year to uh, two years almost in between. Wow. How many mm-hmm. bonus siblings did you gain with new mama, stepmama? Yes, I gained two. One that I'm very close with, her name is Sandra. She is my sister. And then I have a brother named Michael. They are my bonus siblings. Hmm. So with growing up with a parent, you know, that that struggled with with addiction, mm-hmm. how aware do you think you were of that as a as a kid? You know, I knew that my life wasn't like other people. I didn't know why, because I couldn't explain like the difference between my mother being present for periods of time and then being away for long periods of time. Mm. So like I was aware something was up, but normally what happens to if you're not the older sibling, the older sibling normally steps in. Mm. Yeah. So my eldest sister took care of us mm-hmm. like primarily. Mm-hmm. So that's what we knew. We knew that Monday through Friday, if mom's not here, my eldest sister Raquel, she would take care of us. Everything would be good. Wow. It was very much so that I wasn't really aware until probably about fifth grade. I started mm. truly understanding like, oh, there's that, there, like, there's really something wrong with this picture. Mm. And so, and that began, and that's why it's so hard when kids go into middle school, when they live in a life of dysfunction and why a lot of oh. kids end up in juvenile hall or they become perfectionist or whatever they struggle with. That is kind of the time where we become so self-aware mm. and we become aware of what lives our friends have. Like I wasn't like a lot of my friends have both their parents home mm-hmm. or they, they grew up in the same place. And I'm like, oh, no, I didn't have that. Mm. Do you feel at all like your older siblings shielded you from a lot of it because even thinking like I mean I've met your your stepmom I've met Rose and she is great and wonderful and you said you were 12 when she came into your life so I was well so side mark I knew Rose my entire life because we went to church together so she was like one of my uh teachers we had missionette group it's like a Christian Girl Scouts I think it's what would it be compared to? So I've known her my whole life because we went to church together. And then she, my parents got married. My dad and my son got married when I was in the fifth, the sixth grade, going straight into the sixth grade. So how old are you when you're in sixth grade? Six. Yeah, like, yeah. I think 12. Yeah, 11, 12. 12. Yeah. 11 or 12. Yeah. Who took you guys to church? Was that solely dad or did mom go as well? Yeah, solely dad. Okay. Mm-mm. Yeah, so solely dad every other weekend for the most part until we lived with my dad full time when I was in sixth grade on. Mm. Um, did he or fifth grade on? Did he lobby yeah. for that or like legally make that happen or did it? Yeah, so it kind of was uh, my mom just one day when it was her visitation right to come pick us up, um, just never came to pick us up mm. because we found out later on, like down the road that she was in jail at the time Mm. that like kind of rushed like they were in custody the whole time um custody issues him trying to Mm. get us full time um but it just 
let's not even go into the justice system with family court mm-hmm. and all that stuff. That's a whole nother ball game. But it was just so hard for him until she was literally not able to mm-hmm. parent was when my dad got full custody of just my sister, myself and my brother, Brandon. We were the ones who haven't mm-hmm. aged out of the okay. program. So sixth grade, you go to live with full time with dad and with stepmom Rose. So what what was that like from that point on of, I mean, cause that's obviously, that's a huge shift for a kid of, um, but at the time, were you feeling like, what were you feeling? Were you feeling like grateful that that was the new situation or, you know, where were you at? So, you know, it was a very confusing point of my life. I think it was very hard. No one knew how to talk about the shift. And I think that was one thing mm. that I wished um, that was, we could have all done better. I wish I could have spoke up a little bit more of how I felt. Um, I wish uh, my dad, my stepmom, we could all be in conversation, but it was just a hard, a hard turn. I went to, so I picked up more of um, different things about, I became a perfectionist. Now, mm-hmm. since I didn't talk about that and my life wasn't the way I felt like it should have been and I didn't have control, I then, it for me, became so consumed with wanting to be that you just tried like tried to recreate or how what is what is my story now or who am I and yeah perfect child for my parents so like it went from like oh my gosh so much dysfunction to oh now we have this perfect family and I know it's still chaotic but it's so much better than what I had but it was just a very confusing time Mm. Um, it was just very very difficult do you feel like those yeah. are things that you've learned now as an adult looking back like, oh, that's why I was doing this? Or do you actually remember being a 12 year old and thinking like, exactly, it was I want to be I don't want to make anything harder for my dad. I want to make it as easy as I can on my parents. Like, they are doing so much for me. My life is so different. How can I just be great without giving any and- you know, I already have the teenage drama and mm-hmm. I'm going through all the changing of the, the hormones of just natural development and puberty and all that stuff. So God bless their souls. They <laughs> endured um, a lot through that. But just mainly I was very focused on how it affected others, not how it affected me mm-hmm. in that time. Outside of that, just trying to be whatever I could to make it easier on the transition. I knew it was weird for me, but then I was making sure my sister was okay. I was making sure like, so what just kind of now you're, you're living with, you know, kind of cause one thing you touched on was that you, you were consciously aware of your stepmom's feelings and wanting to make sure that she felt like included, like what, what has your relationship been like with her kind of, as you kind of went through high school and as you went through college and gotten older, like how has that relationship with your stepmom changed? You no, know, I, I'm very blessed in the sense of she was our, like my rock for pushing me towards God in a more real way and was just such an amazing mm. example in that way that my dad and my stepmom were truly like, they sought after God in front of me through high school. It was like the typical, like, ah, don't tell me what I can't wear. Ah, like all of those kind of things. Yeah. But throughout that, I think now into adulthood and being a parent has been where we've been the closest. Mm-hmm. And then I think it was just one conversation of just reality of addressing like, hey, this was like her being open that it was hard for her to step in that telling us how she felt on her side. Cause we never, she just always showed up, suited up, was there every step 
mm-hmm. in it, every argument, like being there for us, the struggle of seeing it from her point of view really brought us closer. Did, yeah. did your dad give her free reign to parent you? I think to a certain extent, I think dad, it was very traumatic for him as a father, seeing what his kids were going through, that my stepmom was kind of in a losing battle mm-hmm. of parenting us in the beginning was very hard. Mm-hmm. And I think still it, it carried into our high school years, but I think at the beginning, it was very hard to release control and to, because in every, it's father's guilt, parent's guilt. Mm-hmm. Um, when you go through a divorce, when you go through um, very troubled times, I think that was very hard for him to release that to her. Mm-hmm. I think gracefully she fought for knowing that the best way to parent us was to step in as a parent fully mm-hmm. versus stepping only in when allowed. And I think that's the hard balance of, co-parenting mm-hmm. when you're with a step parent but there was no one but her so my mom was not available for a very long time that she was the only female figure that could step mm-hmm. in that mm-hmm. time definitely I, I I can see that now and I say most of this only because I'm a step parent mm-hmm. that I'm able to now so it was hard be like oh my gosh this yeah is like this is what was going on yeah like what an like not the most desirable of situations to find yourself even in but also like what a cool new lens you have to relate with your stepmom. Yeah, and, and I think that's kind of even like where I kind of wanted to go with this was even thinking of how has that relationship that you've had with your stepmom, how has that impacted you now that you are a stepmom? I mean, did you ever think that you'd be in a situation that has so many parallels with, with Rose? Shout out Rose, by the way. Mm-hmm. I mean, she just sounds awesome. Absolutely. She is killing it. To be honest, I've never wanted to go this route. Mm-hmm. Children, I love my husband. I I truly wanted, I just didn't want that struggle. Mm-hmm. I didn't, I never desired that, but I truly feel that some people are called to this life because it is very difficult. And so being able to open up to her about like the hardness of it and being able to kind of filter through some of those thoughts that you feel guilty for having mm-hmm. um is the biggest blessing as because she just she yeah. gets it all doesn't mm-hmm. she She understands and you know you have to have some of those people too who not only they get angry with you but then they speak sense to you she is truly one of like oh no what i can't believe that mm-hmm. but Brittany, like and she always like i'll be praying for you and yeah. so she's very much of a soundboard of understanding because you can talk to some people and they just don't understand and that's okay and we all have those situations in our life Mm -hmm. but she is able to constantly like reinforce like you are doing definitely that so special where was your husband at custody wise when you came into the picture with his two kiddos his divorce was a little messy there was um, infidelity and he was very broken by it, but not being aware that how broken he was. And so when I came in, so our two kids are now, Michelle will be 11 this year in August and Aiden just turned seven. So we started dating when he was about two. I met Aiden when he was two years old and he just, it was kind of free flowing. There was no real structure. And for me, I just, I was like, well, I don't understand what's going on here. And so it took a lot of me asking questions of like, what is your custody arrangement? Like, because I kind of need to know for like schedules, how can I help you in this way? Or like, what, what does this look like? Because if I'm stepping 
stepping into this, I, I wonder what it's going to be like. Yeah. Well, and that's um, like and going back yeah. to like your OCD nature that you develop yes. as a 12 year old and kind of like that's exactly. how you cope. Yeah. Like yeah. I, I let, me, let me get some structure mm-hmm. in here. And so he had really kind of just, uh, we just, I just do this and a lot of fear and just to all the dads out there who are struggling with custody agreements, I get it. He dealt with a lot of, a lot of that and parented in that way. Mm. It's very scary especially as a dad. And so parenting out of guilt of I don't have them all the time or what if they get taken away from me. Mm -hmm. Me coming in was we had them every other weekend, Tuesday night to Wednesday morning to drop them off to school. And then he had them Thursday for about two hours for a dinner date. It was just, it was very challenging because at first even saying like, hey, how about you just follow your court order and not deal with any of the pressure outside of that. Like, that's all you're required to do. Mm-hmm. His custody arrangement, it was just a little everywhere. Wow. That's kind of where I walked in with his court paperwork. And- of Angel. I think he's incredible. But I, I totally can see how, you know, it's it's a struggle for him as as a dad to, to speak up. And, and so can you maybe talk to that a little bit about, like, what it's like? I mean, at least for, for your perspective of what you viewed or how you've seen him in the courtroom and just kind of like what that can be like for, for dads in the courtroom. And then even like paralleling that with like your own dad's battles of, you know, custody battles that I'm sure like at the time that when you were a kid, did you know that your dad was like in an ongoing? That's a great question. I did not, I was not aware until the second half of my life when my dad went for absolute full custody. Mm -hmm. It wasn't hurried until my mom went to jail. Mm-hmm. I was in court a lot for that. And a lot being by, I feel like I remember at least four to five times of having to go and be in the child care just in case they needed to interview us being interviewed by someone. Mm-hmm. So that happened. Um, but before that, I never knew my dad was fighting. He never even needed to wear. He never knew anything was going on. For Angel, it's a crippling fear. And I think a lot of dads fall into this when they even think about fighting for their kids financially. It's like crippling physically to speak up because most males, it's not easy for them to speak up about their feelings or what they want or anything like that. And so he had a very hard time. My husband's also very shy, Mm. very much an introvert. You have to be like, he has to consider you one of his good friends before you even really start talking. Like Mm. he has a real conversation. And so him being in front of the judge was a lot of like stuttering and very hard for him to, she petitioned to move to Ohio. And so that sent us as soon as we got married into a Mm. year long trial of what does this look like for Angel? That was very crippling. Him not being five minutes away. We were five minute away drive from her. What is the agreement now? Is we get them full summers. So somewhere around June 1st to about August 12th, depending on when they go back to school and when they get out. We get them for their school Thanksgiving break, which is about three days. The relationship right now is not where it could Mm. be we have a little bit complicated case between both parents and so both get a week we switch off christmas and new year's that time and then we get the full week of spring break then three three days thanksgiving we get them a full week normally it's seven days right now we're kind of figuring out the gray area yeah have you seen Um, them since all of this has happened so the coronavirus Mm. has really discouraged Mm. us in the sense of we have not seen them since january and yes, we have opportunities to go see them. 
But at the same time, we have two other kids to think about who are infants. That angel flying means he loses his job. Mm. Us going out there means that we both wouldn't be working. So therefore, we wouldn't be able to financially... Well, and if you could even Um, fly there right now. I mean, flights are getting canceled daily. Exactly. Yeah. And so... What is that like explaining that to them right now? I think it is hard for them because all they want to do is be with their brother and sister. They Mm. are very fearful of the coronavirus and it's hard for us because we're not able to explain to them, like, stay indoors, like, you're going to be okay. On their end, they're dealing with, like, a lot of... If I fly, like, that means I'm going to, and we're like, no, that is Mm -hmm. not what it means. It's preventative. Mm -hmm. Figuring out how to parent. So sixth grade, you go to live with full time with dad and with stepmom Rose. So what what was that like from that point on of, I mean, because that's obviously, that's a huge shift for a kid of, um, but at the time, were you feeling like, what were you feeling? Were you feeling like grateful that that was the new situation or, you know, where were you at? So, you know, it was a very confusing point of my life. I think it was very hard. No one knew how to talk about the shift. And I think that was one thing mm. that I wished um, that was, we could have all done better. I wish I could have spoke up a little bit more of how I felt. Um, I wish uh, my dad, my stepmom, we could all be in conversation, but it was just a hard, a hard turn. I went to, so I picked up more of um, different things about, I became a perfectionist. Now, mm-hmm. since I didn't talk about that and my life wasn't the way I felt like it should have been and I didn't have control, I then, it for me became so consumed with wanting to be that you just tried, like tried to recreate or how, what is, what is my story now? Or who am I? And yeah, perfect child for my parents. So mm-hmm. like it went from like, oh my gosh, so much dysfunction to, oh, now we have this perfect family and I know it's still chaotic, but it's so much better than what I had. But it was just a very confusing time. Mm-hmm. Um, it was just very, very difficult. Do you feel like those are things that you've learned now as an adult looking back like, oh, that's why I was doing this? Or do you actually remember being a 12 year old and thinking like, exactly. It was, I want to be, I don't want to make anything harder for my dad. I want to make it as easy as I can on my parents. Like they are doing so much for me. My life is so different. How can I just be great without giving any, and you know, I already have the teenage drama and Mm -hmm. I'm going through all the changing of the, the hormones of just natural development and puberty and all that stuff. So God bless their souls. I endured a lot through that, but just mainly I was very focused on how it affected others, not how it affected me mm. in that time. Outside of that, just trying to be whatever I could to make it easier on um, the transition. I knew it was weird for me, but then I was making sure my sister was okay. I was making sure like... So what, just kind of now you're you're living with, you know, kind of because one thing you touched on was... That you, you were consciously aware of your stepmom's feelings and wanting to make sure that she felt, like, included. Like, what, what has your relationship been like with her kind of as you kind of went through high school and as you went through college and gotten older? Like, how has that relationship with your stepmom changed? We didn't make my dad feel bad or we wanted to make sure my stepmom always felt included because I didn't want her to feel like we didn't care about her just because we mm-hmm. missed my mom. And so... It was so, it was just like, if confusing could be the, it was just so different. You know, I, 
I'm very blessed in the sense of she was our like my rock for pushing me towards God in a more real way and was just such an amazing mm-hmm. example in that way that my dad and my stepmom were truly like they, they sought after God in front of me through high school. It was like the typical like, ah, don't tell me what I can't wear. <laughs> ah, like all of those kind of things. Yeah. But throughout that, I think now into adulthood and, and being a parent has been where we've been the closest. Mm-hmm. And then I think it was just one conversation of just reality of addressing like, hey, this was like her being open that it was hard for her to step in that telling us how she felt on her side. Cause we never, she just always showed up, suited up, was there every step mm. in mm. every argument, like being there for us, the struggle of seeing it from her point of view really brought us closer. Did, yeah. did your dad give her free reign to parent you? I think to a certain extent, I think we were all of you guys for my dad. It was very traumatic for him as a father, seeing what his kids were going through that, my stepmom was kind of in a losing battle mm-hmm. of parenting us in the beginning was very hard. Mm-hmm. And I think still it, it carried into our high school years. But I think at the beginning, it was very hard to release control and to because in every it's father's guilt, parents guilt. Mm-hmm. Um, when you go through a divorce, when you go through um, very troubled times, I think that was very hard for him to release that to her. Mm-hmm. I think gracefully she fought for knowing that the best way to parent us was to step in as a parent fully Mm. versus stepping only in when allowed. And I think that's the hard balance of Mm co-parenting when you're with a step parent, but there was no one but her. So my mom was not available for a very long time that she was the only female figure that could Mm. step in that. Hmm. times definitely I, I i can see that now and i say most of this only because i'm a step parent mm-hmm. but i'm able to now so it was hard be like oh my gosh this yeah is like this is what was going on yeah like what an like not the most desirable of situations to find yourself even in but also like what a cool new lens you have to relate with your stepmom yeah and and i think that's kind of even like where i kind of wanted to go with this was even thinking of how has that relationship that you've had with your step on how has that impacted you now that you are a stepmom I mean, did you ever think that you'd be in a situation that has so many parallels with with rose shout out rose by the way mm-hmm. I mean, she just sounds awesome absolutely she is killing it to be honest i never wanted to go this route mm-hmm. in the parenting game i love my children i love my husband i i truly wanted i just didn't want that struggle mm-hmm. i didn't i never desired that but I truly feel that some people are called to this life because it is very difficult. And so being able to open up to her about like the hardness of it and being able to kind of filter through some of those thoughts that you feel guilty for having mm-hmm. um, is the biggest blessing. Because she just, she yeah. gets it all, doesn't mm-hmm. she? She understands. And, you know, you have to have some of those people too who not only they get angry with you, but then they speak sense to you. She is truly one of like, oh no, what? I can't believe that. Mm-hmm. But Brittany, like, and she always, like, I'll be praying for you. And yeah. so she's very much of a soundboard of understanding because you can talk to some people and they just don't understand and that's okay. And we all have those situations in our life. Mm-hmm. But she is able to constantly like reinforce, like you are doing that's definitely that. So special. Mm-hmm.
Where was your husband at custody-wise when you came into the picture with his two kiddos? Wow. He was a hot mess, uh, (laughs) to be completely honest. And I we like honesty. The best job possible. Like the biggest encourager. Mm -hmm. Like the biggest cheerleader on the side. If I was playing a game, she's the one who um, is cheering me on to the end. So his divorce was a little messy. Mm -hmm. There was um, infidelity. And he was very broken by it, but not being aware that how broken he was. And so when I came in, so our two kids are now, Michelle will be 11 this year in August and Aiden just turned seven. So we started dating when he was about two. I met Aiden when he was two years old and he just, it was kind of free flowing. There was no real structure. And for me, I just, I was like, well, I don't understand what's going on here. And so it took a lot of me asking questions of like, what is your custody arrangement? Like, because I kind of need to know for like schedule of how can I help you in this way? Or like, what, what does this look like? Because if I'm stepping into this, I, I wonder what it's going to be like. Yeah. Well, and that's um, like and going back yeah. to like your OCD nature that you develop yes. as a 12 year old and kind of like that's exactly. how you cope. Yeah. Like yeah. I, I let, me, let me get some structure mm-hmm. in here. And so he had really kind of just, uh, we just, I just do this and a lot of fear and just to all the dads out there who are struggling with custody agreements, I get it. He dealt with a lot of, a lot of that and parented in that way. Mm. It's very scary especially as a dad. And so parenting out of guilt of I don't have them all the time or what if they get taken away from me. Mm -hmm. Me coming in was we had them every other weekend, Tuesday night to Wednesday morning to drop them off to school. And then he had them Thursday for about two hours for a dinner date. It was just, it was very challenging because at first even saying like, hey, how about you just follow your court order and not deal with any of the pressure outside of that. Like, that's all you're required to do. Mm-hmm. His custody arrangement, it was just a little everywhere. Wow. Him speaking up for himself mm-hmm. in that. So that's kind of where I walked in with his court paperwork. And it gave him, um, we've worked on a lot of. I love Angel. I think he's incredible. But I, I totally can see how, you know, it, it's a struggle for him uh-huh. as as a dad to to speak up and and so can you maybe talk to that a little bit about like what it's like I mean at least for for your perspective of what you've viewed or how you've seen him in the courtroom and just kind of like what that can be like for for dads in the courtroom and then even like paralleling that with like your own dad's battles yeah of you know custody battles that I'm sure like at the time that when you were a kid did you know that your dad was like in an ongoing that's a great question I did not I was not aware until the second half of my life when my dad went for absolute full custody custody situation like with courtrooms and stuff like that and it wasn't even it wasn't hurried until my mom went to jail Mm -hmm. I was in court a lot for that and a lot being by I feel like I remember at least four to five times of having to go and be in the child care just in case they needed to interview us being interviewed by someone Mm -hmm. so that happened um, but before that, I never knew my dad was fighting. He never even made it aware. He never knew anything was going on. For Angel and what I can went through was it's a crippling fear. Since like what I think about my dad that and I and I think a lot of dads fall into this when they even think about fighting for their kids financially. It's like crippling physically to speak up because most males it's not easy for them to speak up about their feelings or what they want or anything like that and so he had a very hard time my husband's also very shy Mm. very much an introvert you have to be like 
he has to consider you one of his good friends before you even really start talking. Like mm-hmm. he has a real conversation. And so him being in front of the judge was a lot of like stuttering and very hard for him to, it stemmed out of a lot of fear of even, and so speak up, mm-hmm. but she petitioned to move to Ohio. And so that sent us as soon as we got married into a mm-hmm. year long trial of what does this look like for Angel? That was, he wanted his kids so bad. So we just went, so let me explain a little bit. So they weren't in court for a while. His kids no longer being in the state with him, very crippling. Him not being five minutes away. We were five minute away drive from Mm. her. Absolutely. A thousand percent first year marriage. That's why I say you are only called to this life because it looks so different in everyone's situation. Would you say that this... Good Parent is not brought to you by these following restaurants and cafes because we don't have any ad sponsorships. But in light of coronavirus, we do want to give uh, some free shout outs to some local restaurants in our area. So, Brenna, Austin, Texas, what do you want to shout out? My most recent local support has been to Bitterman's Bagels because... I, I, I know California is not necessarily known for their bagels, but they have way better bagels there than we do here in Texas. And this, um, I believe they're owned by a New York-based couple who brought the bagels to Austin. And mm-hmm. we enjoy our bagels here in our house. And I have a friend who's pregnant, and that's all she's craving right now as well. So got some bagels for us, got some uh, porch bagels for her. And so uh, support support your local place in Austin. It's called Bitterman's Bagels. Mm, I crave bagels even when I'm not (laughs) pregnant. Brittany, Orange, California. What do you want to shout out? Orange, California. I'm going to shout out Shabu Shabu. It is off of the 55 and 17th Street. Um, this is not a chain. Um, it is one of, it's such a fun atmosphere. It is like a Japanese vibe of like, I don't know if it's like, like pho kind of, I don't really know how to describe it, but it's so good. Just look it up. Um, can you get it to go? Shabu for the win. You can get it to go right now. I'm also like a VIP. So Ooh. I don't know if it's just for them. I go there way too much. Um, but uh, Dana Point, California. I want to give a shout out to Lupe's mm. Burritos or Lupe's Taco Shop. Just type in Lupe's L-U-P-E apostrophe S <laughs> and you'll find it. Dana Point. Um, it's great. They have my favorite Al Pastor tacos. Um, it may be, maybe you think Al Pastor is not, not the best taco meat, but it actually is. So you'd be wrong. They have the best Al Pastor, and they also are just a really awesome place that does cool things in the community. So next Monday, they're actually giving out two free Al Pastor tacos um, to anyone who stops by. Uh, So that's another reason to support them, because they also support the community and are going to be supporting those um, in our community that uh, have lost jobs or are temporarily not working because of coronavirus. So Lupe's, give them Mm. a visit. And that's another edition of Good Parent is not brought to you by.
mean, they're they're your they're. I love that you call them your mm-hmm, bonus babies too. Like they're your bonus babies, and I know that like I've seen you with them. That's got to be so tough. They love you. They treat you like their mom, and but then in so we're it's a lot of us trying to combat. That. Yeah. Yeah. How do I mean? I feel like in the eyes of the court, you're not their mom, mm-hmm. and so what's that like? You know, just trying to parent them and love them through custody battles through distance like what's that been like yeah I think I try to make sure that he feels through the distance my main priority is supporting Angel empowered to make the calls if he feels that he needs to discipline over the phone and we've had plenty of like but you're over there what are you gonna do and I said we say well then when you get Mm -hmm. here understand like so we try to be creative in that aspect or just trying to support their mother mm. from the other side of the phone. Mm. My main thing with them being distant is that is our, like pushing Angel to being, hey, how can you be even more present? How can we be creative in the way that we interact with mm-hmm. them? So that's kind of what we do there. And then mm. when they get here, I'm very much so of, and this is something that I've learned that I wanted to do differently of me growing up, very open conversation of, not speaking poorly about the other party, mm-hmm. but how do I constantly make it an open door that they're able to ask questions to not necessarily give answers, mm-hmm. mostly towards our daughter, but to talk her through in a healthier, how do you walk through these emotions? Mm-hmm. And that is the biggest blessing that I've received from being with the family is just getting her to the point of saying like, hey, so, okay, so yes, this is hard, but how do you feel through it? Just figure out how to navigate through it. And most of the time it's, and how can we pray about it? Or how can we, the freedom of acknowledging this is hard. The freedom of acknowledging I don't understand. Mm. Yeah. And that it reminds her that she's just a child. Because also through custody arrangements, those kids tend to grow up a lot mm-hmm. more. Because either parent wants to tell them what's going on when it's none of the child's mm. business. Or the child is overhearing mm-hmm. things that either parent is telling other people. I mean, they're exposed yeah. to mm-hmm. like very, very adult situations at a very yes. young age. And just even, you know, the, the custody situation can, and I don't use this word lightly, but it can be traumatic for absolutely for for children. Because then even like to live through that, the court like that, it's just it's ongoing. Like it's not even mm-hmm. not even like it's it it's done say. yet. I mean, it's still going to be it's going to be a foundational part of their life what are what are some of the things because I, I love what you said about like supporting angel and trying to get creative with him how can he to to just kind of like stay connected with them and, and be creative parents from a distance yeah so we have done like goldfish over the phone they've done talent shows they dance for us or we do like a tv crib show us your room how clean is it We've done like just this past Sunday, my daughter was doing a bike ride through the neighborhood. Parent and be present, distance. Like, what are some of the actual stuff that you guys have done? Those are some of the things. And then we are going to be starting a countdown to summer because we've been without them so long and they're having such a hard time that we're going to be sending a letter that we open up because we have FaceTime every Sunday. 
um, for an hour so that they'll open up at that FaceTime call. So she was showing us like, this is my friend's Mm. house. Like, this is where I go. And it counts down the weeks for them until they get here. And so we've been trying to think of creative ways like that. Or Angel will, they were telling stories over the phone, coming up with riddles, telling jokes. Right now they're just obsessed with their brothers Mm. and sisters, their brother and sister. So most of the time they just want to talk to them and make them laugh or hear about like, what new things are they doing? Mm -hmm. That's kind of what has been the biggest win for us is that they're able to be a part of that like normally right now if we don't have the twins they're like ow okay well love you like <laughs> um it's really about them right now they are the hot commodity michelle and aiden got to experience every mm. moment of that we have been it's because they're smaller than them they're so smaller and they can just like go cute and they laugh <laughs> and the twins we are very blessed that when they were born being with them for the first three months of their life we like god's timing because it was not our timing Uh, it was definitely uh, a blessing for them and that now their moments of being excited oh i can't wait to run around and so then we say like what are you going to do with them like are you going to run around the park they're going to be so annoying to you and (laughs) Mm -hmm. just continue to kind of just imagine with them to be able to walk through that with them and not miss those first moments and dream with them and mm. so a big thing is trying to encourage Angel. Sometimes he can, you know, you guys parents can be like, ah, that's not, ah, stop that or knock it off. Um, and to remember that sometimes over the phone, it's okay. Take that moment of, yes, this is not mm. ideal. How has their, uh, how, how helpful or participatory has their mom been with like some of the distance parenting that, that you guys have tried? I think I would say like at any party, just as much as she would probably love us to interact in a different way more, we would love a little bit of more. But where she's at, it's to where she is at in her stage of life. She's done the best job she is capable of. Our reality. How have you personally, with being personality type that likes order, that likes a plan, that likes structure, that is a perfectionist, knowing what I know about parenting and how... There is not a whole lot of perfection in it. There is plans that are made and then thrown out the window. Do you cope, deal with that, with your personality wanting to be a certain way and then kids kind of like throwing a wrench into life sometimes? How do you deal with it? I can tell you a, a specific moment to describe. I'm two different ways in health and, and unhealth. When I'm in unhealth of trying to control the situations, but in my unhealth, I tend to try to control every Mm -hmm. situation. And until I'm made aware that I'm doing that, it is very hard for me to snap out of it. And so what I've done now is try to make sure that I am remembering that things are... There was one moment when we were going through all these custody things, all this stuff. I was in my closet Mm -hmm. crying. Because I was having anxiety attacks, which I've never struggled with anxiety attacks my entire life. Not always as they seem that I must take um, control and throw it out (laughs) the window. I can have structure, but I can't be dependent upon that structure for my Mm. sanity. And so that is kind of what I've learned. I also like I have to really do just from my childhood into adulthood. I attend a program. It's a Christian 12 step recovery program. I work through like actively my perfectionism actively through this custody arrangement with someone outside Mm, of the situation because I have to. And so it, that is probably my saving grace, my Christian faith with learning that 
not all addicts are addicted to drugs and alcohol. Mm-hmm. Some are addicted to mm-hmm. control, like myself. So that is something that is a huge part of gauging of how I parent and how I realize that I get laughed at. Like, oh, you thought that was going to go great, huh? I'm like, dang it. Uh, well, and even for your own marriage, that's so vital oh, to yes. not have to lean solely on each mm-hmm. other to work through things. Do you feel like parenting in some ways has actually helped you release some of the need to control? Being able to marry my... Oh, absolutely. I think my kids make me a better person. They remind me to slow down. They remind me what's important. And that's laughing. That is that is what they remind me. And that floods into my work life. That floods into my relationships. And it also majorly plugs into how I respond to my husband to showing him respect in the midst of even if I agree or don't agree in front of the kids so it's so many aspects that it touches yeah so in addition to being the slowing down and cuddling and watching movies and a mom to your bonus babies you also have two beautiful twins and I I have watched them before, and when I watched them for about, like, 20 minutes, I was by myself, and I was so, I was so worried, like, they, they were just chilling in their car seats, and, and I was like, oh my gosh, if they, like, both, like, wake up at the same time and start crying, like, there's two of them, I don't know what I'll do with that, like, I don't know how to handle that, and then even when Arise did come home, like, it was literally only, like, 20 minutes I was by myself, but then she did come home. It just was, it's a lot. Two infant babies at the same time. And it, for us, it was, like, I don't know, four hours. And it's every day. Um, so just what what has that been like of going from the the custody battles and we had them and it was like while also being pregnant with twins welcoming these twins into your life like you've been carrying a lot and something bigger than myself and so you know and i always tell god like lord you better use this for something because uh i go through this with my head held high knowing that i have hope something that it is very hard i will not lie to anyone and anyone that usually tells me like it, it's only i'm like should please shut up like in the nicest way possible do not tell me totally i like I'm tired half the time. I'm more forgetful than I've ever been. And so I am very grateful for my husband. He definitely has stepped up a lot in carrying the weight. And so um, like when Brenna was talking last about like when her husband steps in and gives her a moment, that is probably the most, the most times I'm like, oh, I love my husband so much. Like (laughs) they see. So true. Uh, Because it is, there is, there's so much mom guilt that happens. That's already natural. There's when your baby doesn't stop crying, you have to learn to take a moment because you love them so much. Mm -hmm. And I can't solve their crying or if they're crying at the same time, like last night, Hazel woke up randomly at like 1130 and wouldn't go to sleep for a long time. Mm -hmm. And so there's a lot of moments where I question my sanity. There's a lot of moments that like when people ask me how I'm doing, I'm like, I don't know. I'm just Mm -hmm. going like, um, and that's why it's been so valuable to me to Mm -hmm. slow down. Right now, Angel is working out of town for Monday through Friday. And so though I don't have the financial struggle of being a single mom, I do understand um, a little bit the physicalness of it is Mm -hmm. only me. Like, I don't like giving my kids a bath by myself. It's too much. So there's certain things that I'm like, 
eh, you're not that smelly. You're okay. Or my <laughs> in-laws have been a huge help to me um, to help me with bathing them or so I can work from home. They'll come and be here and mm. they'll be with the twins for a couple of hours. So I am very much so uh, in all okay. of them. I do have help. So I'm very grateful for that. But without it, I, I couldn't tell you. I don't, I seriously hat goes off to single moms or even moms who are in a home where they don't have support mm. from their husband. You, Brittany, you, you have your twins, but what was it? But you also, like, you've been working for most of the year. Like, you didn't take a ton of time off. And so what was even that like being pregnant with twins while working? Because I was, and I'm just asking because I, like, witnessed a lot of it since I, my desk is right next to yours. So I saw some of the struggle from a distance. But what was that like, you know, actually being the one that was living it? It was definitely something that I wasn't prepared for. Um, I'm very grateful. I was so gracious to have an amazing supervisor. Um, Shout out Michael. He definitely uh, helped me take care of myself better than I would have taken care of myself at times. Because in the beginning, having twins, I was very, very sick. So I missed out on a lot of work in the beginning. And being able to him championing being my advocate of sending me home when I didn't Mm. think I needed to be sent home (laughs) throwing up in trash cans at the church and being like, I'm okay. That was very difficult in the beginning. And then just after I got into my sweet period of working, it was just heightened with emotions with a lot of change happening all at the same time. Our organization was going through a switch. Um, My own position was rapidly changing in different ways. And there was a lot of challenging things walking Mm. through that. And the blessing, a part of that, like I went to winter Mm. camp and we got snowed in. Um, Jordan was sick with the flu and I was running around pregnant. And we all say now we laugh about it because we're like, only the Lord gave me endurance to weather that storm, literal storm. How pregnant were you? Emotional. I was, I think about six months pregnant. Like it was to the point where you maybe like you were maybe weren't going to go to camp. Um, like that was yes. a conversation that was had. So yeah, I was about five to six months, and uh, the conversation was very much like, "I don't think you're going." But yeah, like, I'm and not Boy, just I'm like we don't want you. It was, um, it was based in like it's a lot of hills. Like you, <laughs> and I say this with all the love in the world. Like, but you didn't like walking up ten stairs. Well, elevation too <laughs> when you're pregnant is rough. Yeah. Uh, was everything in your yeah. pregnancy? No, absolutely. I mean, yes, twins. But like, other than that, was everything? kind of routine or did you have some things in it that were scarier did that look like and stuff like that so that was a huge thing that I was so in the in the beginning it was a straight three months of me almost not getting out of Mm. bed sick like um I haven't even put put on medication Mm. because I couldn't keep food down or water and then in the middle of it I didn't have really any problems I just had to go to the doctor a lot because when you have twins Mm -hmm. they have to like monitor Mm -hmm. both heartbeats and all the stuff and then fast forwarding giving birth after was um, a very scary time for my family and so I got preeclampsia and so yeah if you don't know what that is it's like your blood pressure goes high and you're in high case of seizure or something else Uh, I can't think of it but um so I had to be like it was literally a couple hours after they willed me back. It was a lot of on and off of just having to be put on this heavy medication and not being able to hold the twins because um, I couldn't like mentally 
even grasp the idea of opening my eyes. And so it was a very scary time after. And then even after leaving the hospital, I had to like take my blood pressure three times a day on medication. So after effect was harder. So like during the pregnancy, it was more during that work time. It was really hard for me to walk upstairs and like going to the restroom took me probably like 10 minutes because it took me most of that time walking up and down the stairs. Um, So there was a point where I... No, I actually got to have them um, naturally with my epidural. Epidurals are magic. But I say I had a natural (laughs) still, even if I have epidural. Beautiful. Um, That is How long did the postpartum preeclampsia last? Um, About two and a half months. I was cleared at, no, it happened for three months and I was cleared at month four. Mm. Um, So I got to like go, go off my medication at three months. And oh I went to my back gosh. To work wow. I know you are you are incredible um what's what's that kind of been like so after the preclin and and then going back to work um how's that been I mean working being a full time not even just full time like a six days a week working mom um you know while also i mean angel has a full time job like so what's what's just that been like? It has caused me to be very intentional about my time and very intentional about saying no. I was not good at having any boundaries for yeah. work at all. I could work anytime, any day. You ask me something, I would mm-hmm. just do it. Um, that it has forced me to um, mm-hmm. say no. And I think as for me as a perfectionist, it's very hard for me to say no. It's very hard for me to stop working yeah. at a hard stop. Um but telling, reminding myself that what's more important is my kids. Um, and there's a lot of conversation about between Angel and I of what does it look like um, to put our family mm. first in the way of is that working six days a week, even though two days are half days? Like, is that like, what does that look yeah. like in this season? That has been one of the biggest things of, <laughs> yes, we're working because I live in Orange County and I need to be able to <laughs> provide yeah. for my family. Um, and um, also the idea of one day wanting to be able to own a home and all those things, those big dreams, but realizing what we're sacrificing. And so that's why it's such a blessing, even though this is such a hard season with this shelter in place. It has been the most rewarding season in the sense of reevaluating really hard you really have to look at what does it look like going back to this now mm-hmm. a different normal than what we've now created do you have any helpful family. suggestions for parents who are at home with their kids right now and working what are your ways that you're keeping those work mom boundaries yes I um the first thing I do is when the twins wake up I'm very um, intentional about getting up with them because sometimes it's harder with kids um, I don't know you know letting them sleep in a bit or like not wanting that time alone in the morning first thing I use that time first to spend time with them for about an hour or so before I start working um, and I do a hard start mm-hmm. so that I have a hard stop so that when it hits I start at seven when it hits four o'clock I completely mm-hmm. shut down and and when I mean shut down, I don't take any more phone calls. I don't even check my email. I put my phone in another room till my kids go to bed. You mm. stay with them no matter how, mm-hmm. like, if it's just you watching TV, if it's you going for a walk, whatever you're doing, like being so intentional because they mm-hmm. see you working and that's what's harder mm-hmm. working from home. 
your kids see you and they think mm-hmm. they could think you're not paying attention to them or they want your attention. Um, but it's better to give them full attention mm-hmm. than partial. And so being aware of if you have help, um, someone coming to help you, or if you're taking chunks of time during their nap time, or you're taking whatever you're doing, just be intentional with the time that you have when they are awake, when you can say, the world mm-hmm. will still go on if I don't answer your yeah. email right now. Yeah. And it's okay. You know, and I know that like working from home, you know, in this new normal has, it's created its own set of like the boundaries now look different because you got to, when, when you're turning off, you're at home already so you kind of got to turn off at home Mm -hmm. and then turn back on to okay uh gonna be fully present in this way with with my twins um but what have been like have you had fears like any fears related to setting boundaries like with work absolutely i think it's um fearful of in this time there are a lot Mm -hmm. of unfortunate people who Mm -hmm. have lost their jobs um or who have lost business because they're they contract themselves out. And so for me, it's, if I say no, does this mean that I'm no longer valued? Um, that I'm no longer seen as um, someone who is essential to that team. And to be honest, what I have to remind myself is, <laughs> and I'm a believer, if you guys obviously haven't figured it out, um, that God is in control. And he has also given me a set hard line of my family does come mm-hmm. first and I need to be obedient mm-hmm. to that before I'm obedient to any man mm-hmm. or any career, because in the long run, my kids are going to be affected mm-hmm. in their lives or affected by a choice that I make. And it's a hard choice to be fear- afraid of what does that look like for me? But time and time again, proves that the time that I spend with my kids is more valuable than the pat on the back that I've mm-hmm. gotten for sending two more emails. If it's even recognized, um, and then I'm setting more standards of that I am available when I'm not. And then I'm yeah. the bitter in the end. And that's also something that's not healthy yeah. for my organization. And so definitely hard. Yeah. Definitely. Do you feel at all like, um, it, you know, just because if you read, you know, there, there's a lot of studies that have been done on, on things like this about balancing the workplace, the home life, um, and how there's there's this cultural kind of do you feel at all like um there's been fears associated with setting boundaries with work and 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 wanting to prioritize motherhood and how that might impact your growth in your professional career you know and i'm just taking a a little bit of like because i definitely think there there's a cultural narrative where it's if if a male in their workplace they want to set boundaries and prioritize family life they're kind of patted on the back. Like, yeah, that's a good thing. Okay. You, you know, he mm-hmm. wants to, you know, have a good solid family life, like good for him. And it doesn't impact growth potential within the organization um, in a way that it can for a woman. Have you felt that pressure or that tension? Absolutely. And then also being seen as, well, you have kids, so you can't uh, being restricted to, I am limited to my abilities because hmm. I have kids. Mm. Um, And so my growth opportunities look so different because the reality is, is I can't give what others can give. And Mm. so, and what happens to normally either single people or newly married without kids, they're used a lot more because they are available versus using those who might have families to know that them being available 
um, you use, you maximize that time. Hmm. And I think that is a struggle that most organizations have. It's not just specific to any organization. I just think for moms, it's more of, why don't you go be an assistant? Hmm. Um, because that might suit you better. So you can focus on your family versus I'm all about, you know, God has called me to a certain field and he's called me to be a mom that he will give me the grace and I will have to Mm. learn how to balance both. Mm. Yeah. And that's such a, that's such a, that that is never, you know, that same narrative is never told toward a man. I've never once felt like having a family will impact, you know, my ability to grow within an organization. And, and so it's, do you, do you feel at all like like that's something that that you want to continue to push through or or like even how do you push through that that boundary push through that wall you know i've um so what was said to me is sometimes god calls you to focus on certain things and sometimes god calls you to focus on your family and Mm -hmm. even though that person i think was trying to give me great advice um i think it's suited to where you feel called in your life if you believe in god or not wherever you feel that you were being led to mm-hmm. career wise that you're obedient mm-hmm. to that because it's very easy. There's some moms that I commend stay at home moms. God did not build me for that. <laughs> I am very aware. I, 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 it is a whole nother journey that people don't even understand. It yeah. is a full-time job and it looks different, but I think with, for me and me speaking only for myself is I do know that I'm called to do something and I know that for the first year of my kid's life, I wanted to be very intentional about growing myself and not seeking major opportunities until there were one. That was something my husband and I agreed on and I was very clear on hmm. and had pushback of maybe I should wait a little bit longer. I'm not okay with that. And that has been a main thing that has driven my personal growth mm-hmm. though, um, has driven me to step out of my comfort zone and do things that I... Hmm would have never mm-hmm. done if I was so boggled down with other things. Totally. Well, what are just kind of to wrap it up a little bit. Um, mm-hmm. What's like the encouragement you would give to, to the twin moms out there, twin moms who are stay at home moms or even twin moms that are working. What, what do you want to say to the twin moms? Stop mm-hmm. and breathe. You are doing amazing in the moments that you feel that a failure, the moments that you feel that, how can I possibly do another minute of this? Look at your babies, watch them smile and know that every single moment is going to be worth it. Mm. And yes, some of us have to work um, to be able to provide. And in the long run, it's not going to affect like you are not a worse parent because you do not stay home. You're not a worse parent because you are not in your child's life 24 seven, that you make the time for yourself and you make the time for your marriage and those things will lead the charge for you being the best parent. Mm-hmm. So any twin mom out there, I hear you <laughs> email me, whatever you need. <laughs> I'm, I will be your main cheerleader because it's not mm-hmm. easy, but it's so worth mm-hmm. it. Yeah. Well, said. That was beautiful. Even, I mean, not even, I feel like could expand well, to just any mom. Moms in the world. Mm-hmm. I love that. I, I don't need to say anything else to ruin <laughs> that moment. So I'm just going to let that sit and, <laughs> and and let that be be the end of of episode two. So Brittany, thank you so much for for opening up your 
your story to to us and to everyone that mm-hmm. listens. Thank you so much. I'm so excited for just even more stories that we're going to hear. I encourage you guys to reach out with your questions. If you love what we're doing here, find us on Instagram, support us. We love you and we are excited to just bring more content to you. Like, share, subscribe, repeat. Ask questions. We'll answer. We'll find someone who can answer them. Totally. Absolutely. Big time. All right. Thank you so much for, uh, for this time today. Um, thank you for listening. We appreciate you and we feel the love and support that you've given us in this podcast. Take care. Bye. Bye. All right.